and this is episode one of the Web Dev with Matt podcast. In this episode, I'll be chatting about the Docker client server architecture, why that's important to know when you're working with Docker, and how it plays a part when you're building CI and CD pipelines, such as with GitHub Actions, and deploying to remote Docker hosts, such as those in a digital ocean droplet. Let's roll the intro music. Want to learn the essentials of developing and deploying applications with Docker, especially if you've been struggling to figure out what you need to know while Googling, searching Stack Overflow, and various other forums, then you'll love Docker Essentials. It's a free book and course that teaches you the essentials of building images and deployment configurations, tagging images and pushing them to remote Docker registries, how to debug applications running inside Docker containers, how to debug containers when they don't work as expected, and how to deploy your application to a production environment or any other using Docker Compose. Now, it doesn't cover every possible Docker command, just the ones that you need to know about so that you can deploy your first application with confidence. You also get a host of supporting information, tips, tricks and pointers to help you out when you get stuck. Check it out today at dockeressentials.com. Hey, 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 and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first, the inaugural, the premiere episode of Web Dev with Matt, the podcast. So what can I say? It's really cool to be back in the seat. And I said back in the seat, if you are familiar with my now unfortunately defunct other podcast, freethegeek.fm. Uh, you may be familiar with these dulcet tones. If you have watched or gone through any of my courses on Pluralsight or some of the short courses I've created around the web, then I guess I'm referring to that as well. So it's kind of fun to be sitting back in the seat here in the recording studio slash home office slash spare room in the house. Let's be honest, this is not a multi-million dollar recording studio in, I don't know, downtown Munich would perhaps be the closest. I guess they had them in Nuremberg. No offense to people of Nuremberg. Um, but no, <laughs> let's be honest about where I'm sitting right now and how I'm recording this. But hey, that being said, I, I, I think it sounds fine enough. I hope it sounds fine enough. You tell me, let me know in the comments on the podcast what you think of the audio quality. Anyway, that said, in this, the, as I was saying, the first, the inaugural, the premiere episode, what I want to talk about is some of my learnings over the last couple of weeks, particularly last week. And that is, I have come to uh, better appreciate and in some ways more specifically learn how Docker works, to put that in, into even greater specificity, if I may. Uh, how the Docker client communicates with the Docker daemon. Now, before I kind of cover off on, on the specifics of that, which I will quote from the Docker docs, how I have 
come to kind of push this point further into my my noggin, into the grey matter between my ears, as some of my teachers so very, very kindly said to me over the years. Recently, as I've been going through and building the CICD pipeline for webdevwithmat.com, I've been using a combination of DigitalOcean droplets, the DigitalOcean container registry, GitHub Actions, and a series of Docker commands, but most importantly, or probably most pertinently, Docker Compose. And as I was building the pipeline, like it, it really felt like I was walking through a proverbial swamp because I, I guess I had this idea in my head that I, I knew more than I did. And so I had this expectation that it should have come together faster than it did. So when it didn't, and I, I seemed to kind of keep hitting these, these walls, as it were, I felt like I was proverbially walking through a swamp. I was making progress, but it was very, very slow. And kind of right toward the end of the process, I'm, I'm going to use the word proverbial, I think, today quite a lot. I'll say the proverbial light bulb moment occurred for me in that I realized first that I didn't fully understand how a Docker client, whether Docker or Docker Compose, for example, communicates with the Docker daemon. And secondly, my understanding of of that, like say that, that process, that, that client server process was, I guess, a little fuzzy I, I, or, or murky because I had largely, or the majority of my experience of using Docker and Docker Compose was always on my local development machine, whether that was Mac or Linux. Um, and I, I, I guess I sort of come to see it as, or not really appreciate that it just didn't matter where the daemon was because I would kind of got fixated, I, I guess, if you will. I'm, I'm kind of working on a thought thread here and just getting it out. I, I'm not reading this off notes. I'd gotten this kind of idea in my head or not fully accepted, perhaps is a, is a better way of saying it, that it was a client server architecture. I kind of thought it was like it, by, by calling the Docker commands, you were kind of directly operating on a, like kind of like you were calling a binary as opposed to what actually happens. And so I didn't, fully respect that it didn't matter where the daemon was. So long as you told the Docker client where it was, then it could be anywhere. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, because um, the GitHub action workflow was responsible for, or part of what it does, is to pull in the PHP source code for the application, build images from that, then tag those, then push them to the DigitalOcean container registry, and then run Docker Compose, which then speaks to the Docker daemon running in a DigitalOcean droplet, which itself then pulls in the images to form the configuration that makes up the application. And that's a really <laughs> long roundabout way of kind of introducing the, 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 the topic of, of this episode, which is just this little nugget of information which I want to share from the Docker docs. Well, actually, it's one of the two key parts of this episode. And that's this. I'll read you through the, the short version 
from docs.docker.com forward slash get hyphen started slash overview. Firstly, the Docker daemon. It says the Docker daemon, Docker D, listens for Docker API requests and manages Docker objects such as images, containers, networks, and volumes. A daemon can also communicate with other daemons to manage Docker services. Now, for the Docker client, it defines it thusly. The Docker client, or Docker, is the primary way that many Docker users interact with Docker. When you use commands such as docker run, docker exec, and so forth, the client sends these commands to docker d, which carries them out. The docker command uses the docker API. And then it just finishes up by saying the docker client can communicate with more than one daemon. Now, here's also another essential little bit, which is covered in the section titled, or at the top of the section, docker architecture, which actually came before those two pieces that I just read. It says Docker uses a client-server architecture. The Docker client talks to the Docker daemon, which does the heavy lifting of building, running, and distributing your Docker containers. The Docker client and daemon can run on the same system, or you can connect a Docker client to a remote Docker daemon. Now, here's the kicker. The Docker client and daemon communicate using a REST API over Unix sockets or a network interface. Another Docker client is Docker Compose that lets you work with applications consisting of a set of containers. This, I guess, kind of, it, it just rounded out my thoughts. I, you could argue, Matt, you should have known this right from the start. And I'm sure I've read this over and over and I kind of really had it in my thick skull. But for some reason, it, it was like I was kind of working without that sense of knowledge. And this was kind of brought home to me as I was kind of going through trying to figure out why my workflow wasn't working. And I came across this awesome article on the Docker blog. What the article covered was three ways to tell the Docker client which Docker daemon that it has to, or that it should be communicating with. And those are that you can specify the Docker underscore host environment variable. You can pass the capital H or host option to a Docker command, or you can create and use a Docker context. Now, each of these effectively do the same thing, but it argued that a context was easier because it's kind of set and forget in that it will set this property. And then any time you run a Docker command, it will use that property thereafter. So you don't have to remember to set it. And based on that, it argues that it's, it's simpler and it's easier because you, I, I guess like sort of copy paste code, if you set it once and you can just refer to that, that item when it's set, then the likelihood of you making a mistake or not using it are greatly minimized. I kind of more or less agree with that, but at least in a GitHub workflow, I found it a bit problematic, at least for me to kind of get going. I kind of felt there was sort of a few too many commands and I didn't quite get it configured right. Whereas at least in that context, I found using the Docker underscore host environment variable just worked. I didn't have to use extra commands. I could just compact it all into one. And at least in that context, um, I could always remember to use it. It wasn't like I would sort of be using it all over the place. It was in the workflow YAML file. If you are familiar with GitHub Actions and how they're set up, 
Um, so it wasn't really a problem. I kind of felt it was a bit of a muchness. Like, sorry, a bit much of a muchness, I think the term is. I haven't used the capital H option or the host, but I mean, environment variable, command option, by and large, they're more or less the same thing. In, in kind of saying all this, one, I just wanted to share that with you in case you weren't aware of these different ways of specifying to the Docker client, which Docker daemon should communicate with. Uh, two, I'm kind of curious as to get your feedback as to what you prefer, which way you prefer if you're using Docker like I am. Uh, three, if you have any other tidbits, any other pointers, tips, tricks, those sorts of things that you'd like to share from your experience of setting up uh, CI, CD workflows, of just using it on your local machine, of using it uh, where you work, uh, I'd really kind of love to know. So if you could give me some feedback in the comments for this episode, that'd be brilliant. If you're kind of wondering what it is the hell I'm talking about, um, because maybe you're new to Docker, then, and I probably sh should have said at the top of the show, that you're going to need some a, a certain amount of, of Docker knowledge and practical experience to follow along with me. Um, I will, as always, include the relevant links in the notes for this episode. But I'd love to get your feedback. Like, what's your experience been like? What, uh, how have you found it? Do you even deploy with Docker Compose? Moving on from that, the other reason I wanted to get into this as the subject for the inaugural episode is because a lot of this is also informed my approach to writing Docker Essentials, which is a book and course that I'm in the middle of creating. Specifically, the final chapter of the book and the final section of the course, because up until I'd worked through the GitHub Action workflow for Web Dev with Matt, I I I, I deployed apps with this what feels to me at least this crazy combination of Docker, Docker Compose, Docker Swarm. And there is another command in there. I think Docker machine. And I'm sure there might even be at least one more command. And as I wrote, at least in, in the first iteration of the final chapter, it just kind of felt like for something that's meant to be that, at least in my head, was marketed as a, a, a simpler, more efficient, more intuitive way of deploying apps. It sure, when kind of the rubber met the proverbial road, it sure didn't actually seem all that simple. And I thought, this is just nuts. Why do I have to know and remember and and use all of these commands? Why couldn't I just use Compose? Because with Compose, at least locally, I can orchestrate the configuration for the containers that make up my application. Why couldn't I deploy with that? I have since come to learn and appreciate there are some reasons why, but at least in a simplistic application, what I'm also really happy about is that thanks to getting my head around um, the client-server architecture that is Docker, that you can deploy using Docker Compose. On, on one hand, is great, because now I can simplify my thinking, I can simplify the book and course. On the other hand, I now have to go and actually simplify the book and course by rewriting that final chapter. But, you know, at least it's, it's better to be most of the way through something, and I was about 95% of the way through the book, and to realize, you, you know, like your mistake or to, to learn this, this new set of knowledge and to correct it 
then to kind of continue on and then someone say, you know, by the way, there is a really, there is a lot simpler of a way of doing this than what you've just done it. And then go, oh, great. <laughs> kind of wish I'd known that earlier. Anyway, I kind of feel like I've been really freewheeling this. Though I did have a set of notes and, and pointers for what I wanted to cover today, this has been unscripted and I guess it's going to take me a little bit of time to to get back into the groove of things and find a more um, cohesive, consistent, professional flow to this. But as we wind down toward the end of the episode, I want to thank you for sticking with me here and listening to my kind of meandering dissertation on Docker. So anyway, I'm not going to drag this out. Here we are at the end of the episode. Just want to thank you for being my guest on the inaugural episode. I'd love it if you would share your feedback about it in the comments, and I'll see you on the next one. So thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. It has been my absolute pleasure having you as my guest. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode, which you can find at podcast.webdevwithmat.com for links to all the things that are talked about during the episode. And until next time, my friend, keep learning, keep experimenting, and keep on building. It might seem like there's a lot to learn, but with a little bit of work on a regular basis, I reckon you'll grow your skills immeasurably in no time at all. And if it helps, remember the old saying, from little things, big things grow. Until next time, stay well.